Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 73 of Thrive Deeper. It's your old pal, DJ Payne, your favourite podcast host, well, at least the favourite podcast host of this, your favourite Bible podcast. But on this week's episode, Matthew Jacoby and myself sit down and we look at 2nd and 3rd John. Last week was all about 1st John. So we're going to see how 2nd and 3rd John fit in to the picture there with these three books. We also start off this week's episode about the 25th of October when this episode is being released. Matthew tells us what he's up to on his family, uh, big family trip overseas we also look about an amazing event that happens in this day of history. Don't know exactly how that all fits into 2nd and 3rd John, but you know what? We'll make it fit. Keep on listening because at the end of this week's podcast, I've got a huge amount of information to let you know. Some really great stuff is happening. But until then, enjoy this discussion on 2nd and 3rd John. Well, I think I'm in Italy. I'm in Italy at the moment. You're you're, you're looking at the yeah, date. I'm of actually, when... strictly speaking, I'm not here. I mean, like the date when uh, folks are listening to this. Yes. If you indeed you listen to it on time. Yeah, which most because of do. course we know that you all <laughs> hop on Friday morning. That's you it. Get on and you listen to it before lunchtime. That's it. Anyway, but I think uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm in Italy uh, having a good time. Florence and Venice and Rome. You're looking ahead into the future. I love it. This is like a form of time travelling. I was looking at what was happening. I thought, oh, what can we talk about here? October 25th. What was happening October 25th? And uh, I found that on this day in 1917 was the birth of Soviet Russia. Really? Yeah, this is... Oh, yeah. This is the October Revolution. Yeah, October, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the Red October, as it yeah, were. Yeah. Uh, it happened on October 25th when the, you know, the rising <laughs> lay people, the Soviets, came up and they overthrew and took over the local government wow. uh, on, on this day back in 1917, so over 100 years ago now. Wow. And we still are living in the era of, uh, you know, Soviet Russia. It's amazing. Wow. So... Communism. Uh, you know, I would. You know, I could get down a. We could really. Go <laughs> hey, there's. I, a, I, I have read. I, I have read a bit of Marx. I've read the Com- Communist Manifesto, and I've, I've cherry picked from Marx's Capital just to try and get my head around, uh, the whole. For some reason, I just. You know, I'm. A, I'm such a curious, person, and I, I like to go to the sources and find oh. out. Uh, and and what, what and, motivated all of this? And the and the history of Russia is one of the most fascinating, and still to this day is one of the most fascinating um, histories you know in all the world. Mm. Uh, I think there might be a demand here, Matt. Uh, we haven't really talked about this, but we've done. Let's talk about communism. No, no, no. We <laughs> we we've uh, talked about it internally, but but um, we put out a special edition episode a few you know a, a few uh, yeah, months ago yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, talking about Israel Folau, and that yeah. was we just put that in the feed and said, yeah, "Hey, it's yeah. a special bonus edition." We got a lot of great feedback from it. You know, some people a bit troubled, going, "Hang on, is this what the podcast is becoming?" No, yeah, no, no. Right, no. Other people going, "Oh, this is great. I really, really valued that." Yeah. I've had people uh, literally stop <laughs> me in the street, mm. you know, saying, "Hey, DJ, blah 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 blah." There might be a might be a whole new podcast coming, you know, the, and and uh, you know, 
I'm putting this out here when we're recording this right. before you're away okay. in Europe. I'm yeah, giving I don't you know some, what you're about to say. Well, Are you going to make a promise? That no, 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 no promises. <laughs> I'm giving you, you something to think about. This is funny. I'm doing. I sound like I sound like uh, you know uh, John here. I'm giving you the, Matthew something to think about. I'm giving you yeah. the listeners something yeah, else yeah. to think about. Sure. I'm, giving, I'm giving you something to think about while you're away. Mm. Whether we even do something like this, a whole other podcast that might not be a weekly one. It could be an irregular one oh, yeah, at all. Yeah. But this is something for you, the listener, to pray about and give us feedback about. If something that could be useful, but something around topics, something oh, around yeah. culture, something around people's questions. Now, coming at it from a biblical Christian worldview, mm. but it might not be a particular, okay, I want a Bible study on this. It might be an overview topic. It could be something theological or it could be something historical. A question that I get all the time, especially amongst young people, uh, and I've literally had it for my own children, Dad, what's the deal with communism? You know, type of yeah, thing. And I'm right. like, wow, well, that is a big a big question. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, without <laughs> without it becoming a historical podcast with dates and facts yeah, and everything yeah, else yeah. like that, it could well, be something yeah, interesting. Yeah. I think that's I that'd be fun. I think it'd be good it'd be great to do. And, and it'd be and it'd be something interesting to bring in maybe some experts on as well mm. to say, all right, we're gonna mm. talk about this particular topic. Yeah. Let's bring an expert on yeah, that yeah, yeah. and have a bit of interest with that. Hey, I'm throwing. I'm, 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 I'm liking it. All right, all right. Well, while yeah. while you're enjoying Rome, <laughs> yeah, you're, while I'm yeah. enjoying Rome, <laughs> you uh, can have a think about it over there. Getting back to the early church. Hopefully, I'll be uh, exploring the catacombs. Yes, looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, early Christian catacombs with the earliest examples of Christian art. Do you know? Let me. Here's a yes question for you. The depiction of Jesus. Yes. In the early in in the art of the catacombs, right? Yes. All the early Christian art is contained there. Wasn't in it a mosaic with tiles? No, no. they were they were um, paintings like frescoes. Okay, on, you know, um, what do you think? How do you think? How would you guess Jesus is most commonly portrayed in the early church? Is is, is a symbol or as a person? What do you mean? As a as like how would you you know because uh, well. Okay, as like a person, a, yeah, not as a symbol, a, like an occupation. You mean? Yeah. Or okay, I would say a shepherd. You got it. <laughs> well done. Look at that. Yeah, the well, good shepherd. Yeah, wow. It's the most common depiction of Christ in the early Christian art. Wow. Uh, it's the 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 shepherd with the sheep over the shoulder. The good really? shepherd, Jesus, really? the good shepherd. Now, the interesting thing is, is that as you go on, what it's Christ, the the king that becomes. Popular. Uh, and, and he's looking like Christ the Emperor. Yes. In fact, he looks very much like Justinian. Yeah. <laughs> in you know in Ravenna and, and in the in the mosaics. So, uh, but in the in those and and that's where you get the Christ Pantocrator up there in the middle of the dome. You know, mm. way way up there with the, you know, with the um, all, all the, the angels and everything. And, yes. You know, so it's like he's way way over there. Whereas initially, there was this sense of intimacy. Jesus is the good shepherd, I and it. I am that sheep over his shoulder. That's mm. me. Now, for the early church in persecution, that's an enormously important image. Anyway, so hopefully I'll be looking at that while you're listening to this. All right, take podcast. some photos. We'll uh, <laughs> let's we'll talk about let's talk about John because we've yeah. got a few chapters to get through here. We do, we do. Well, I uh, thought I thought let's let's do something different for this one because in this episode we're supposed to conclude, uh, you know, first, second, third John, all three 
of of these uh, of these letters uh, from John. And as you've said on the last episode, it's most likely that these these three came in a package. Mm. There's a cover letter, which is Second John, to the entire church. Uh, that's Third John. Sorry, th- the cover letter, to the, because it's uh, the the Third John is written to to Gaius, an individual person who's a church leader. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. So Third John is written to the individual, the yeah, leader. That's right. Yeah. Or one of the leaders, a co-leader, yeah, yeah. by the sounds of it. Uh, Second John <clears> is written to the church. You know, saying, "Okay, you know, this yep. is this is yep. a message to all of you," and then First John being the actual sermon. Yeah, right, that's now, right. Now, now, now read this to everybody there amongst the home churches. Yeah. So why don't we keep our finger? We we were basically up to one. You know, First John chapter three. Let's put our finger there and flip over a couple, just a couple of pages, and have okay. a look at Second John and Third John because I think. If we wrap up those now at the beginning, I know we're mm. sort of doing it backwards, that might give us a bit of a context for what we're about to read in First John. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Let's, let's do that. So I'll flip over a couple of pages on my laptop. <laughs> on your laptop. Can we get some sound effects? <laughs> you know, some page turning. So we go we go to Second John. And again, these are just tiny little, <laughs> you know, one chapter letters here. Second John, he addresses it to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth. Is this a particular woman or is this no, it's, a... It's a way of talking about the, the, the church. Is this the first time we have the church referenced as a lady like this? Uh, no, well, well, the church is depicted as the bride of Christ. And, and of course, um, <clears throat> remember that the connection I think is significant here between John and Revelation because in Revelation it may well be that he's had this revelation already yeah. and he has seen the church prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, Revelation 21, right? So... Mm. <clears throat> so it would make sense that he talks about to the lady chosen by God. This is um, betrothal language. Yes. Okay. So so and her and her children and and he's talking about uh, the church there. Now, w- the interesting thing here. If you did a little search on the word truth, <laughs> you'd get it had come bing, up bing, all bing, over bing, the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In both uh, in these second and third John. I mean. Uh, to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth and mm. I not only but also all who know the truth yep. because of the truth <laughs> which lives in us and will be with us forever. And then he says in verse 4, it's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. I mean, it's this is so <laughs> he's so concerned about the truth. But this is not just truth in an abstract doctrinal sense. Um, he is He's concerned about their doctrinal beliefs because Mm. as we've discussed in the last episode and and I should repeat this just in case our listeners missed the last episode John is concerned about a stream of teaching that denigrates physicality and that believes that the exalted son of God could not have suffered and died in the flesh that this just it it was an offense to Mm. their reason so um, John needs to stress the fact that he came uh, and, and again, the view that ma- that's probably behind this is this idea that the Spirit came upon the man, Jesus, at his baptism, but left again just before his suffering. Mm. Um, it sounds like that that's what's going on behind here. Now, so he's countering that view and he's emphasizing the fact, no, Jesus came in the flesh. Now, this is important. Why? Because, as and we saw from First John, he wants to focus on the atonement, yeah. and the atonement can only the atonement can only make sense. Yes. So it's like they're trying to make sense of 
the, the logos coming flesh. But John's saying, yeah, but the atonement doesn't make sense, make make sense. sense yeah. unless Jesus did actually come in the flesh. That's it. The, you know, so we, we need to understand that unless Jesus was fully God and mm. fully man, not mm. part God, part man, but fully God, fully man, uh, the atonement just is not possible. Uh, it's because God was in Christ yep. reconciling the world to himself. Okay, mm. that, that, that atonement becomes possible. So that's the truth that, that he's, he's concerned about. about. Yeah. It's not, you know, this is not some peripheral truth about, you know, mid-tribulationism or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not a euphemism for just, you know, the faith type of thing. I mean, it does carry a little bit about this. This is the crux yeah, of yeah. the truth that we stand on here. And he says it here in Second John, uh, you know, chapter, uh, you know, sorry, Second John in the no, chapter, yeah. there's only that chapter. That's right. He says in <laughs> verse 7, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. That's right. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist or an anti-messiah. Watch out that those who those sorry, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Yeah. I, I just that, you know exactly, and and the reason it's so serious is because it drains, it it, it takes away from the atonement, which is the centerpiece. Because mm. remember, we've seen how in one John one, he talks about the journey into the light being through this act of confession through which forgiveness is imparted to us through the atoning yeah. death of Jesus wow. Christ. Wow. So there is no doorway to the light and tr light and mm. truth in the Greek world are, you know, one and the same thing. Yes. There is no ascent into the light or into the truth unless Jesus Christ became flesh. Yeah. That's the key. And I, I, issue here. Okay, so we're wrapping up that. I mean, that's the little letter to yep. the entire church here, to this <clears throat> lady. I love the final verse there, verse 13. It's only 13 verses long. Greetings from the children of your sister, chosen yeah. by God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Talking about the other, the, the, you know, the other, yeah. you know, where yeah, he's right, at there. Yeah. It's a beautiful way of looking at the family. So that's the letter written like a cover letter for the for the entire church. No. And then we get this tiny little, uh, you know, one here in, in, in third John, which is written to Gaius. Is it Gaius or Gaius? How do we pronounce his name here? Look, I'm not sure, but okay. Gaius. Is, Let's is go fine. with Gaius. Yeah. So he's my dear friend who I live, you know, who, whom I love in the truth. Yeah. You know, the truth comes back again here in third John. So he's talking, um, you know, again, some of the same things. It's like in second John, he's saying to the entire church, watch out. There's going to be false teachers coming to you. Yeah. Have nothing to do with them. Yeah. But then for Gaius here and the and the leadership, he's like, listen, there's false teachers out there, but still, when the good teachers come, accept them in. Yeah. Like, don't don't this, ban this everybody. This is the balancing, yes. and this is the balancing point here, uh, that he he wants them to show hospitality to the true teachers. So, and I think this is a good balancing point because the best way of countering false teaching is to have. The right teaching, you know, like constant exposure to the right teaching. So, um, so in the early church, there were key people. Mm. Now, John um, wasn't able to because John was imprisoned on Patmos. Mm. Um, but there, there were various teachers, and of course, Paul did this. He went yeah. round to all of the churches, yeah. and he wrote letters to the churches. <clears throat> so, um, there were these bishop figures. Mm. Um, they became bishops, yes. these uh, uh, these figures who had responsibility over regions. Um, they, uh, th you know, they would circulate and bring teaching. 
I mean, but in the early stages, there were these authorised um, kind of apostolic teachers. Here we're bridging into the post-apostolic, you know, most yeah. of the apostles. I think John is the only one now still alive. Yes. Um, but they're, you know, are uh, the second generation, yes, sort of authorized teachers, teachers the, the, of the truth. Yeah, exactly, and that's so what this is like. Make sure, like, get get them in there. Yes. Get them in there. Let, let's let's get some good teaching. Yeah, uh, in here. But this is this is uh, reading again. This this little uh, you know third John, it gave me great encouragement. Mm. You know, because sometimes living in the you know the era that we live in, we put these rose colored glasses on about the early church. Yeah. We look. We go. You know. We just need to be a New Testament church when everything yeah, was yeah. perfect and everything was just roses and there was butterflies and you know everything. Everybody was working perfect. Then you come to a letter like this, Third John, from yeah. the Apostle John himself, and he just yeah. he lays them out about the people that are doing wrong. Well, well it shows that there are lots of There's issues. Lots of as issues. As there are in any church. Today. Exactly. He took. He there talks may about, have been butterflies. Yeah. Let's not discount. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I mean, I'm, I'm sure not, there were butterflies. But there was a lot of problems as well, and yeah. problems that we have today. And he says here he talks to you guys, this lead, this church leader, and then he also says he mentions I don't even know how to pronounce this one diotrophies or something. Yeah, um, where, where is In that? verse yeah. nine, I wrote yeah, to the churches about yeah. this, but diotrophies who loves to be the leader refuses to have anything to do with yeah. this. And when I come, I'll report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he's making. Now, there is leaders in the early church. Let's get this yeah. straight. There is leaders in the early church who were standing up against yeah. the Apostle John yeah. and saying, have nothing to do with that's him. Right. He's not... Te- the Apostle John! Yeah, that's right. Oh. I mean, the same thing Same thing happened with Paul. I mean, you know, th- I mean, you, you, th- there is no such thing as a perfect church. And, and I think your point is really good because, I mean, how many Christians go around trying to look for the perfect church? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Church is filled with people and there are always going to be these issues. And this is an issue of a you know, influential individual who's taken over, yeah. who's shutting John, no yes. less, out. And, and not only John, but those, but those who are coming and teaching the truth yeah. that John is sanctioning, <coughs> they're coming. Yeah. And if people like Gaius are helping them or having them in their home or feeding yeah. them, yeah. he says, right, you're out of the church. Go, yeah. you're done. Yeah. And I love this idea that John, this is something that we are so scared to do yeah. in this day and age, yeah. that John, and I don't want to bring just the negative here, but John calls out the false teachers, but then... This is what we need to do as well. He says, like in verse 12, hey, Demetrius, great guy. I sanctioned Demetrius. Yeah, yeah. Everyone speaks highly of him. Yeah. We're giving him yeah. a thumbs up. If he comes, th- like yeah. this idea that we can be embracing and building up other believers and mm. teachers, but also calling out the ones that are not building up the church, yeah. it's something that we need yeah, to do. That's a good point. I think, too, it's important to recognize that l- lest we get lest we get this picture, oh, the, man, it was so dysfunctional yes. and, and they had all of these problems. This church was, these churches were explosively successful in their mission. Yeah. Despite all of the problems and the dysfunctions, uh, they were amazing in terms of the, their mission in the Roman Empire. And, mm-hmm. and the, the legacy of the early church is just amazing. Mm. And it's despite the fact that there is, you know, this imperfection. If you cannot work with imperfect people or an imperfect community, you cannot be a part of what Jesus is doing. 
because that involves receiving from imperfect people, working with imperfect people, uh, working under the authority often of imperfect people. And if you can't do that, then it's you need to go to heaven straight away or something because this is the earth and mission is here. We're broken people in a broken world and we need to be able to uh, we need to be able to live in this this realm of grace, and that means I'm going to receive from you, even though you're imperfect. In fact, I'm even going to submit to you because submit to one another, even though you're imperfect, and uh, that becomes a key to the ministry of grace. family DJ here and I'm here to let you know about our website thrivetoday.net.au that's thrivetoday.net.au listen I know you hear us talking about thrivetoday.net.au all the time our home on the web come and visit us at thrivetoday.net.au but when was the last time you actually visited the website? I'm encouraging you to stop whatever it is that you're doing right now. Well, maybe not if you're driving, but go over to the website and have a look at it right now. There is so much you can do all based around the concept and the mission of Thrive. Now, of course, you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guides. A lot of people listen, we've had feedback, a lot of people are listening, and you might be one of them, that are listening without doing the reading, and that's fine, but you can get both physical copies and digital copies of Thrive Today sent directly to you, makes it so easy to keep up. They're really, really great to have on you. You can get gift subscriptions, you can put them into prisons, both uh, juvenile prisons, female prisons, men's prisons, or you could even get a package to bring Thrive, the daily reading guide, to your church. There is so much to do at thrivetoday.net.au. Please take a moment to go over there and have a look Click through and see how much Thrives are to buy. You might even be able to give someone to a friend or a loved one that you want to encourage to walk deeper in their walk with Christ. So we encourage you to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Do yourself a favor in the words of old Molly. Head over there and check it out. But let's get back into this discussion on 2nd and 3rd John with myself and Matt. Thank you so much for all of your support and listening. Listening to Thrive Deeper, DJ here with Matt Jacoby. Of course, we are in one John, two John, three John, first, second, third John. We've just had a look at the covering letters, as it were, to the church and to the uh, to the leaders there in second and third John. Now we're jumping back 
back where your finger's mm. been sitting all that time in First John chapter 3. We're, we're concluding chapter 3 and, uh, you know, sort of giving a bigger picture to what John was talking about in those other parts there. So as we conclude here in this, uh, you know, this First John, uh, we look at chapter 3 and uh, the thing that really jumped out to me in, in reading through this again is this beautiful picture and I think it's I think it's echoing Hebrews for me as well um, in in towards the end there in 18 and 20 he says dear children let's not merely say we love one another let us show the truth by our actions our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God even if we feel guilty God is greater than our feelings he knows everything dear friends if we don't feel guilty we can come to God so this idea of guilt yeah. That and and our feelings, that oh my goodness, this is one of the things that stops so many believers following where they feel that God is wanting to call them. They they have this sense that God is calling me to do this, but oh, but you don't know. I feel this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Our faith needs to inform our feelings, not our feelings, our faith. Mm. Um, We yeah, I think we can put far too much stock in, in our feelings. I mean. If you're going to not walk in forgiveness until you feel forgiven, you're going to have problems with that. Because, you you know, the only thing that you're feeling, so like let's talk about intuition. Yeah. I mean, it's so, ca- grace yes. is so counterintuitive. Yes. It's not, because it's not, it's not a natural thing. Mm. Natural thing is reaping from what we sowed. Mm. That's natural. That's intuitive, right? Now, we have sowed you know we've sowed sin and we expect them to reap guilt and punishment yep so that's intuitive right if you listen to your intuitions they're going to tell you you're imperfect you're condemned so don't listen to your intuitions uh listen to your faith that faith that has been planted in our hearts by god embracing us and we need to exercise that faith and hold on to jesus who says you're forgiven even though you don't feel like it, yeah. and let feelings follow. Now, it's God does want us to feel loved, and He does want us to feel forgiven, but that's not where you're going to start. You're mm. going to start uh, with faith and let feelings follow. It, 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 to me, it, it's echoed a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Again, I'm, I, I'm sorry to tie it into previous episodes and previous books, but I can't help it. <clears throat> the This idea that... <clears throat> That God is subversive in in the most profound way, you know, in the truest sense of the word. That when we come to Him, that we may, must accept Him for who He is, and we must really believe Him who it is. Because sometimes that process of coming to God and accepting and believing what He says, yeah, is going against our feelings. Yeah, you know, we we want to say, but I don't feel, and He's like, yeah, but you need to accept what I'm saying, yeah. like. I mean, and, and the fact that it's something supernatural has happened in Jesus Christ yeah. to reverse to he has interrupted the logical flow from cause to effect, you know, mm. from the, the, re, the sowing sin and the reaping condemnation. He's interrupted that natural flow, right? So it's not surprising that naturally you feel condemned, right? It's not surprising. That's just makes sense. That's intuitive. So what we need is to step up into the super natural mm. and connect with what Jesus did uh, by faith hold on to that and then allow different feelings to flow down from that ele- more elevated truth 
uh, rather than just focusing on how we... I, this is so important because so many people s- remain in this place of wallowing in a sense of guilt, waiting until they feel like they're forgiven, like, like they're not going to accept that they are forgiven until they feel forgiven. You're never going to get there. Your feelings, your intuition is only ever going to tell you that you are condemned. It's yeah. only the gospel, the good news in Jesus Christ mm. that tells you that you're forgiven. And we need to have faith on that. We need to take hold of that on faith and then live that out. Mm. And then the more you live in that, the more your feelings will come to the party on that matter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So we saw right at the beginning of the book uh, of First John, John threw out there that God is light. You know, and he, he, this principle that God is light, and the, you know, the, you're talking about darkness. Yeah. He's been building up to this in chapter three, chapter four, talking about the other end of the truth that he wants to talk about here is that God is love, and he mm. says that at, you know yeah. in John four talking about how we are to live in in a certain way and that and then he comes yep. to that beautiful beautiful conclusion verse 7 and 8 where he says anyone who doesn't love does not know God for God is love an amazing principle the you know the implications of this can hardly be underscored because mm. it is not just saying God is loving he's saying God is love now th- this is important because what basically um, in effect he's saying that love is an essential part of who God is. Yeah. God is love. It's uh, He's not deifying love. No. He's saying that love is an essential part of who God is. Now that means, because we're going to think about this, because we think of love as something that happens to us, that is evoked by another person. You know, so uh, I... You know, we talk about falling in love or being love struck, mm. you know, as though that was evoked in me by some other yep. person because of their personal qualities. Yep. Now, this is not the case with God. And this is important to note because sometimes we think, well, I know that God loves people, but I don't think he loves me. Mm. Now, if God loves anyone, it's not because of them. It's because God is love. Mm. Love isn't something that happens to God or is, that is evoked by the qualities of a person. God loves because he is love. So if God ever loved anyone, he loves you and he loves me. Mm. It's there's, there's no, oh, he loves this person, but not this person. But um, now there is this special, there is another sense of God's love in, the, in the terms of God's special favor. Yes. Um, uh, and um, and we, but even that we have through Jesus Christ. You know, it's like because we can say that God so loved the world, so He loves all people. Yeah. But there is a special fatherly love that we gain access to through Jesus Christ. But even that is not to do. It's not With us. evoked by yes. us. Yes. It's the. It's what God in His love, in His character, wants to give to us in a special way. Yeah. So, and, um, th- and that's exactly that's the implications of this idea. And that's exactly what John goes on to say when he says that amazing grand statement in verse verse eight: "God is love." He then goes, he defines it, you know, in verse nine and ten. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only yeah. Son. And then verse ten: "This is real love, not that we love God, not that it's got anything to yeah, do yeah. with us, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our yeah, sins." That's right. Oh, and he loved us because he is love. Yeah, 
you know, not because he, oh, how great is DJ, yeah, yeah. I, yes. you know, but not so much this other person. Yes, you know. I No, mean. no, that's not, because then love is something that is contingent in God, like contingent on mm. us, mm. where it is not. Love is essential to who God is. So mm. if he loves anyone or if he has ever loved anyone, he loves you. And and that, and I think that, like, and again, seeing the heart and mind of John here as he writes that, it that principle pushes us pu- pushes us <laughs> pushes us uh, into the love and life of obe- obedience. Yeah, that's right. Because he's basically saying, you know, unless you live in that, you're not experiencing what this really is, what the real part of it is. You're yeah. lo- you're you're in something else. Yeah. So so. Um, by being loved by God, the goal here is that through this love we become like God. We are def- we become uh, loving people. Mm. I mean, uh, we're, we're not in the same way as God is love, but love becomes a characteristic of who we are. So we love people for God's sake. You know, in in this sense, it's not about who they are. Mm. It's the fact, well, it is in the sense that they are children of God. We love all people because they are children of God, because God loves them. Mm. And so we uh, we take on that love and we see through people through that lens. So he says in 5 verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Mm. Uh, this is how we know that we love the children of God. Um uh, by loving God and carrying out His commands, mm. so uh, so he's so throughout this letter he talks about l- you can't you j- you can't love God and not love His kids. Mm. Um, the the one goes with the other, and so um, this again is another pointer to the fact that through Christ we've come into a different realm, a different sort of life, and let's make sure that we. Um, that we move forward in that. Because the problem is with this, it's not a static position. You have to move in yes. it, yes. right? Otherwise, you slip back. Because yep. the default position, going back to chapter one, mm. the default p- p- position is our corrupt nature, right? Yep. But through Christ and by his spirit, we have the ability to walk yep. in this new life. It's like walking on water, you know, mm. but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep moving. Yeah. Otherwise, we sink in that sense. So and, that's what, and that's what John move talks about. forwards. Yeah. It's movement. And movement means love, right? It's yeah. practice. You actually love people, obey God, move forwards in this. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to fall back. And that's why I've been loving this, reading this book over and over again, listening to it over and over again as well, because it it is such a check on yeah. my self-righteous, pharisaical heart. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I, I, right. I, I yeah. walk around thinking that I'm better than everybody. You know, I don't, I don't have that trouble. You know, <laughs> of thinking, gee, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. You know, type of thing. I have the trouble of going, I'm a Pharisee. Well, well it doesn't show. Uh, that, that, that doesn't show. But, <laughs> it's, 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 but that's great. I mean, this, this is what we should be convicted yeah, by. In I, this. And this is it. Like I read these verses and. It can it just core just breaks me at the core, yeah. and then I realise afresh, no, no, I'm the worst of yeah. the dirty rotten sinners. Yeah, that's here. right. A hey, little technical thing here in verse six. Yeah. Um, there's oh, a what chapter? Uh, five, yeah. verse six. One John five, verse six. 
he says here, this is from the NIV, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus mm. Christ. Mm. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. Now, <laughs> what on earth is going on here? Yeah. This is uh, referring to this view that um, the Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism, which we believe, but, uh, but then withdrew from him before he shed his blood, right? So what this is saying is that he came by water and blood. So he did not come by water only, mm. but by water and blood. In other words, that his uh, coming to the Father in the Daniel 7 sense, being exalted, seated at the right yes. hand of the Father, uh, and that's you know when, when we talk about the coming of the Son of Man in terms of Daniel, that means coming to the Father, and that happened after when he ascended into heaven, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that happened through water and blood. Uh, so not just through water, because they wanted to avoid the suffering bit. Yeah, it's he suffered in the flesh. That's yeah. referring to that again. So now the other thing, interesting thing here is that if some of our readers are um, have the King James. Mm. It has uh, an extended um, section in the King James. Uh, it says here, uh, for there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. In the King James Bible, it says, um, for there are three that testify um, in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, and there are three that testify on earth. The uh, the of the spirit, the water, and the blood. Mm. So, uh, if you uh, have your Bible there, you'll notice that uh, it says late manuscripts of the Vulgate testify and have this. Yes. But it, then it says this is not found in any Greek manuscripts before the 14th century. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, now the thing about this is the difference, and, and I'm just going to say something about this because some yeah, people get a little yeah. perturbed about this. The King James Bible used a compilation Greek text produced by a, a guy called Erasmus. Okay. Now, Erasmus had access to a handful of Greek texts, copies of copies of copies of copies, like hundreds of years from, uh, I think the oldest copy was maybe uh, around the 11, 1100s, so wow. a thousand years removed from when the New Testament was written. Mm -hmm. He had a handful of these. Now, they were actually pretty accurate. Yeah. You know, but because they were so late uh, and they were all in one branch of the copyist tree, so yes. to speak, yes, they preserved what would have been some um, maybe scribal commentary yep. in there. Yep. Uh, you know, that, that perhaps was maybe at the side of the text, but gradually through found its way successive in. copies found its way into the text. Now, we know this because while Erasmus had... Uh, a handful of texts, we now have access to thousands and thousands of Greek texts going mm. back. I mean, the oldest we have the fragments from 130. Wow! You know, uh, and you're not, you're not, you're not, um, you're not, uh, you know, hy being hyperbolic here with no, the no. numbers. No, no. Uh, there's actually there's around five thousand complete uh, New Testament wow. uh, texts, and then uh, and then we have. Um, Lots of different fragments, and uh, and then and then even other translations, you know, translations into Syriac and and uh, and Aramaic and so mm -hmm. forth. So, so the witness 
you know, the textual witness is so abundant. I mean, and it goes back to, I mean, that we've got an early, the earliest full New Testament is, you know, 250 uh, AD, which is in terms of reliability, manuscript reliability is, is huge. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the writings of Caesar or take the writings of Plato. I mean, the oldest copy of Plato that we have is 900 years removed wow. uh, from when Plato wrote. Yeah. I mean, to have a 200, and, and, and we've only got about a dozen ancient manuscripts of his. Um, when it comes to the Bible, it's only like a cup, you know, the gap is tiny yeah. and we have these thousands of ancient manuscripts. And the other thing to note is that even from the earliest <laughs> ones to the later to the later ones, yeah. The difference in the verses or the yeah, word use minimal, min, like yeah. you know, but, but tiny. I mean, the thing is, is that because they go into different traditions, so one copyist tradition went down into Egypt, and one went up into Turkey, and one went, you know, so they they have these independence about mm. the copyist traditions, mm. and so if you go to the branches at right at the end of the trees of the different copyist traditions, you can with mathematical precision, yeah, uh, work out, work out yeah. which was you know which was what was original, um, so. But the the thing is, is that the the King James was translated from Erasmus's compilation text. Mm. Um, it became known as the Textus Receptus. There was this kind of, su- well, I'm going to call it superstition around, and it was actually created by the uh, the original uh, an original um, uh, publishing group yes. called the Elzevirs. I've actually yeah. I own an original Elzevir wow. um, Greek New Testament, and they they gave it the name, the Textus Receptus. This is the received text. Yeah. It's like the one that got, you know, and and this is the, you know, the, the, this big, the King James controversy. There, there's, there's this, there are these... Um, uh, King James only. Conspiracy theories mm. about, you know, the, oh, the NIV and these other modern trends. They're leaving out parts of the Bible. No, they're not. They're, they are not leaving out parts of the Bible. Mm. It's just that the King James was utilised the Textus Receptus, mm. as it became known, which... Own, you know, which was yeah. a compilation text of very few texts, which had some additions. So mm. it's not that the NIV is leaving things out; it's that the King James has some things in there yeah. that would not have been in the original that are, are not not true. I mean, they're all yeah, and and but, it's very minimal. I and mean, e- and, just, e- and even getting back to the point here with uh, you know, with First John chapter five here, yeah. with the part of five seven that is that is missing. Yeah, you know, the late manuscripts add. In heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, these three are one. We have these three witnesses on earth. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's right. Th- yeah. That We believe that. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. We're just saying that John, who wrote it, and I'm sure John, if he was here, would say, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. cool, and so with but it's not the, part yeah, of what God right. revealed to me in this part yeah. of the Scripture. And and with all with all of these, and they've again, they're very minor, these um, tech, the, the bits that the Textus Receptus um, uh, adds in. They're basically said elsewhere in Scripture. I mean, yes. you know, so, so they're not they're not really problematic. I mean, the other famous one is for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, yeah. now and forever. Amen. At the end of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Now, again, that's probably a scribal addition from a liturgical. You know, when they use the Lord yeah. the Lord's Prayer from for liturgical purposes. So, um, yeah. So don't don't panic about that stuff, and please do not get caught up in conspiracy theories about. In the difference between the King James and other modern translations, yeah, yeah. we have there is such good. Uh, we have every reason to, uh, you know, to 
no, I mean, it's not even a matter of belief. It's like we actually, with mathematical precision, we can know what was written down in those early copies of the New Testament. Now, we, we mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned early on, I think we've just stumbled over a topic here. If we did do another podcast about certain <laughs> topics, this would be a oh, whole yeah, different yeah, that, area. That would, but I put it in there because, you know, no, no, it's it, an opportunity it, to do that. It, 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 is, it is great here. So as we're wrapping up, um, you know, one John here for this episode here, uh, we're talking about, um, you know, John here concluding the message of, um, you know, of faith, concluding the message that God is, you know, God is not only, you know, Jesus and God are one, they are light, they are love, how we are to grow in this faith. This is a question that I've had, and I'm probably getting a little bit personal here with this one, that this idea of love, mm. we stumble over it. I think because we have, as you've already pointed out quite rightly, Matt, we have this romantic notion of God's love, Yeah. right? Here's an issue, a practical issue for me. And you can, you can, okay. you know, as a friend, you can put the finger on me and, and say, I have a right. I you're going to throw a curly one. No, 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 no curly one. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm being, I'm being okay. very personal here. A lot of what I struggle with in our modern church, mm. in our in our current contemporary church, especially when it comes to music, mm. especially when it comes to expressions yeah. of God's love, there's there's a, a, a an expression about a lot of modern worship music, which is, are oh, you do you sing those Jesus is my boyfriend type songs? Mm. Because they sound like every other love song, and they use really romantic, loving words yeah. talking about Jesus. I struggle with these mm. songs and these worship times and this atmosphere that I'm in yep. because if I can be honest, I don't experience God in that way. Mm. My, the love that I have for God is not a romantic love. Mm. I feel deep, earth-shattering feelings about it. I quake and I, and I you know, weep around the love of God, but I don't feel like swaying talking about Mm. So my question, there's my problem. Well, well, I mean, like I I know that a lot that, you know, I've spoken to lots of people who feel the same. So I think that's worth talking about because you're articulating something that people do feel. But here's here's the flip side of that. I look at a lot of young people coming up and a lot of people in the church who are falling away. Yeah. Because they don't feel the love anymore, man. Yeah. I don't feel the love. And I'm like, hang on, did you just experience the love of God in inverted commas through this romantic notion of modern worship music. And if you're only experiencing it in that, then how are you going to hear what John has to say yeah. about the real love of God and how it, how it yeah. really. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I, I really love worship music and there's, I mean, I, uh, you know, I have a worship playlist, and it's all contemporary yeah. stuff. And I oh, I, I see you at see you at church. You are right into your yeah, worship yeah, yeah, music. Yeah, and and so uh, I connect with that. Um, but it's also um, well. well for, let me say something generally first. Uh, I do not just because I feel it. Yes. I do because as a church we're gathering to worship God, and I, by hook or by crook, I'm going to enter into that and participate. Great, because. I'm a part of this, yeah. You know, and you know wh- whether whether I like the music or like the you know. I mean, this is where, uh, in one sense, we need to get over how we feel and yeah. just join in. Okay, so I don't 
I'm going to be hard on you. But no, 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 no. But that's be hard on you. No, no, no. That you're <laughs> echoing. Like, you're echoing what John yeah, says because it's, it's about a community. It's a community thing. But but I think you know I think your point is good and and that there is a um, uh, I, I think that those expressions are valid in the sense that it is a relationship, and um, I think of the words of Jonathan Edwards, no less, the great um, revival preacher. Mm. You know, I mean, he was a reformed guy, you mm. know, in the Puritan tradition. Jonathan Edwards yeah. in the early 1700s, um, very famous um, Protestant theologian, uh, said that true religion consists, this is a quote, if I can remember it rightly, true religion consists in large part in the religious affections. He wrote a very famous book called The Religious Affections. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because he recognized that when people, when God took hold of people, they became very emotional. Yeah. And and he recognised well that makes sense. I mean, this guy—it's interesting because Jonathan Edwards was known to be like your deadpan guy. Yeah. Right? He was a, dead a stoic. Yeah. A stoic. He yeah. was a real stoic, right? Uh, but he recognised that an appropriateness to that because he said, "Well, this is an emotional thing, right? I mean, being freed from guilt. I mean, this is Mary who weeps at the feet of Jesus and who mm. washes, you know, his feet, you know, with with her hair. It's like, wow, whoa, this is." You know, this is David dancing before the Lord. This is, you know, th- this is, uh, we, we have a faith that is intensely relational. It's about a love relationship. Naturally, that's going to involve the affections. Mm. So music that expresses affections is, you know, is fine to me. If, if anything, my probably feedback to those, if anyone's listening to writes, you know, worship music, my, you know, uh, I've spent a lot of time in the Psalms. And one of the things that I love about the Psalms is the realism there's a realism uh, to the Psalms, whereas I think that a lot of contemporary music is is a little tainted by a kind of ideal, uh, sort of uh, idealism. So a romanticism, in 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 um, in the sense of being very idealistic. Yeah, about you know, ourselves. Yeah, it's like I just love you with all of my heart. I mean, yeah. I mean, do I? I, I you know, it's like um, sometimes uh, I, I need a mechanism to. Uh, also express my brokenness and my struggle and not to wallow in it mm. but to direct that towards God and, and I feel like perhaps um, that is a need that you know is a need there for us to because you know because I think sometimes we can feel like we should be worshiping like the angels in heaven now the thing is uh, in case you hadn't noticed, we don't live in heaven. We live on earth, right? <laughs> we are broken people living in a broken world. And what yeah. does worship look like mm. as broken people in a broken world? Uh, well, I would suggest it looks like the Psalms. And and now the Psalms, I should say, express very emotively this yes. love for God. And, and they even encourage us to... Um, you know, to physically express that in all sorts of different ways. Mm. So, um, so I think that's important. Um, uh, but there's a realism about that too. It's it's uh, it's grounded in 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 the struggle as well, and uh, it's not idealistic about ourselves, and yet it holds up very high expectancy levels for yeah. God. That's just some general comments about that. I'd say for listeners, if you if you struggle. If you don't get into it, um, struggle and get into it yeah. uh, because it's, you know, it's not like, it's not, you know, I mean, we're not singing anything that's wrong even. I mean, there's been a bit of controversy around the, the idea of reckless love because of very um, popular. Now, you know, I mean, I would say oh, it's just an expression. I mean, let's not, let's not, 
you know, I'm one that's just saying, wants to say, let's just not be too pedantic about that. You know, it's like saying, <laughs> you know, it was unbelievably, you know, God is just unbelievably good. Yeah. Oh, what? But you don't believe. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Look, just, it's, it's an there, expression. Yeah, there is an artistic expression yeah. and it's, it's hilarious. So one struggle, get into it. <laughs> one, day, one day we'll take a video. One day we'll take a video because Matt and I often in our church service, Matt's sitting on one side of the aisle and I'm standing and I'm on the other side, usually in the same sort of pew level, right towards the front of the church because we're church nerds there up the front. And oftentimes it's because you're speaking, Matt. And we're up the front there and during worship time, I'll look over there and Matt is emotionally, you know, pouring himself out to God as only, you know, a singer can. And I, and then if the camera panned over to me, you would literally see Charlie Brown <laughs> with his hands in his pocket and a cloud over his head going, oh, uh, we're singing this song again. I can't get into it. That so, must mean I'm better than you. <laughs> no. You know, we, we're, yeah, look, yeah. We're, we're, we've all got, we're, you know, we've all got different parts of our journey that we're on. And, and you know, I think being together and doing this journey together yeah. and respecting our differences is, is you know, is, is important. So, yeah. Anyway, look, I mean, um, uh, to, f- to close off with John here, I mean, he closes off with these words that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm. Now, how do, how do you know, right? You don't know by standing back and reflecting abstractly. Mm. You know by walking in it. And everything that he's been talking about is walk in the truth, walk in it, live by love, uh, live in love, move forwards, and then you'll know and and he points to prayer as well ask god you know we know that he hears us whatever we ask you know mm-hmm. if we ask according to his will he hears us again move forwards you can't there's some things you cannot know from the outside you're not going to work it out by thinking about it mm-hmm. we need to surrender our lives to god we need to step up into god's purpose and into god's hands by faith we need to live in love and then you will know and it'll be the wonderful most wonderful thing you will ever know First, second, third child, and what wonderful letters, what wonderful books to encourage us in our walk and give us a picture of what the body of Christ, what the church is supposed to be all about. It is uh, really, really encouraging to have you along this journey with us. Now, please head over to thrivetoday.net.au where you can get in contact with us and let us know your thoughts. You can send us feedback and more importantly, you can send us questions. What do you think when you're reading through these books? Are you troubled by anything? Are you concerned about anything? Or you've just got a question, please let us know. We love hearing from you. Now, I want to encourage you to do one thing for us today. This one simple thing. However you listen to us, whether it's on a podcast app or it's on the website or it's on your home computer, I would love you to take two minutes out of your time and recommend our podcast, whether that's writing a review on one of our social media pages, writing a review, giving us five stars in Apple Podcasts, in iTunes there, or however you want to do it, we would love you to just take a moment and review us. It is a great, simple free way for you to recommend us and for our name to get further out there it means a lot to us and it helps us reach so many more people until next week this has been dj for thrive deeper bye thanks for listening to another episode of thrive deeper 
Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.